Right, we're in our faith walking series and looking at different characters in the Bible who were faith walkers. Some of them were better faith walkers than others and a little better examples for us than others. Uh, tonight's lesson, we've got some real good examples and some real bad ones, so we'll see a little bit of everything tonight. We're studying Samuel, and we've got uh, one lesson done about him. We talked about prayer because his story starts with Hannah's famous prayer. We looked at that prayer and what it was like, and our lesson as faith walkers was that she got exactly what she asked for. We don't always get exactly what we ask for. So we talked about how we deal with that as faith walkers. And uh, Hannah was an example of God answering a prayer exactly as requested, but he doesn't always do that. So hopefully we learned a little bit from the prayer. And tonight we're going to talk about listening to God when he speaks. We're going to go through First uh, Samuel 2. And uh, most of three and four, so if you want to read along, we're going to read quite a bit this evening. Make sure we get the story right. And this story's got in it the famous story of Samuel's calling uh, when he was a young boy in the temple. And this is usually the part we tell in Sunday school. Uh, Samuel got prayed for. He was born as a blessing to Hannah. Hannah gave him into service of the Lord, and he went to work in the temple, and then we usually follow that up with immediately with the story of uh, God calling him in the middle of the night. Well, that's in here, uh, but there's some other stuff in this few chapters, uh, other characters going on, and the Holy Spirit kind of wove them in amongst each other, so we've got three stories going all at once, and we're going to separate them and look, them in, look at them in, in pieces. Uh, what's or what kind of drove this outline, or what made me uh, think this would be a good thing for us to study as faith walkers, is that in these three chapters we can see there's a big difference between hearing and listening. Big difference between hearing and seeking to understand. Now, we know that in real life. Uh, Wives understand that. Sometimes husbands hear, but they don't listen. Parents know that. Sometimes kids hear, but they don't listen. You ever ask a kid, you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I heard you. Well, what did I say? I don't know. They hear the sound, but they aren't interested in the content. Uh, Saul had that thing happen on the road to Damascus, and in the account, some people pick it out as a flaw in the Scriptures, uh, it says that everybody heard the Lord, but it says the people that were with Saul didn't hear. Uh, well, they heard the noise. They heard the sound. They didn't understand. They, they didn't communicate. Saul himself understood what God was saying, uh, but not the people with him. So we know that. There's a big difference between hearing and understanding. So we've got three characters in this story, actually four, but... Two of them go together as one. And they all heard God. They all got the sound, the message. But some of them listened better than others. 
So let's just go through these three and see if we can uh, draw a little lesson for faith walking. Uh, First of all is Hophni and Phinehas, who aren't the most famous characters in the Bible. Uh, I've never heard of any twins named after Hophni and Phinehas, so they aren't too reputable anyway. Uh, But they were the sons of Eli. Eli was the priest who Hannah gave uh, Samuel to when he was old enough to take to the temple. And Hophni and Phinehas, in fact, let's just read about them because I couldn't tell the story as bad as the Holy Spirit makes it sound. Uh, So chapter 2 of 1 Samuel and beginning in verse 12, Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. Your translation says that they didn't know the Lord. Now it was the practice of the priests with the people that whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, while the meat was being boiled, uh, the servant of the priest would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would plunge it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself whatever the fork brought up. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the servant of the priest would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, "'Give the priest some meat to roast.'" He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, let the fat be burned up first and then take whatever you want, the servant would then answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. All right, let's understand it. We don't need to understand all of it, but part of the Old Testament process was The Levites, the priests, they didn't have to work for a living in the sense of uh, running a farm or grazing cattle or anything. They served the Lord. And so they got as their wages part of what was sacrificed. The people took care of them in that way. And there were rules about that, that you got some of the meat after it was sacrificed and all that. But Hophni and Phinehas wanted a little better cut of meat. They didn't want this boiled stuff with all the junk mixed in. So they'd send their servant over and say, no, give us the T-bones first. And the guy doing the sacrificing knew that wasn't right. And he'd say, no, you can't do that. i, I got to boil all this. Then I'll give you some. And they said, no, you give it to us now or we'll take it. And that's how Hophni and Phinehas ran the show. Okay? They were Eli's sons. They were priests doing the priestly work. But you see how they had perverted it. Then down in verse uh, 22, we learn one more little thing about them. We'll catch this later when we read about Eli. But it tells us down there that Hophni and Phinehas also slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Now all of Israel's neighbors did that. They had a, 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 a sexual connotation to their religion. Uh, The temple priestesses had sex with worshipers and all of that. So Hophni and Phinehas thought that looked like a good deal. So they brought that over a little bit. And they were having sex with the women that worked at the temple. Now the last thing it says about Hophni and Phinehas is over in chapter 4 and verse 11, where it says, Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Now, we'll find out more about that death later, but for now, that's what we know about Hophni and Phinehas. These two guys, working as priests for God, Eli's sons, 
the key verse is, they had no regard for the Lord. Do you think they had heard the word of the Lord? You think they knew what the rules were for taking sacrifice and uh, all, all of that? I, I know they heard that. You know, at some point, that was in their education. At some point, Eli pointed that out to them. If he didn't, the guy, at least the guy making sacrifices pointed that out to him. He said, no, that's not the way God wants it. Here's what God wants. Okay? But they had no regard for that. The translation that says they did not know the Lord might be even closer because it means they, uh, they didn't have any relationship with him. What God said meant nothing to them. They heard it, but they were living a completely different lifestyle. Now, they died because of that, but that's not the main point. The main point is they're an example of somebody that heard God, but didn't listen at all. Doesn't care. We're going to do it our way. Don't care what God says. Okay. Second example is their daddy, Eli. And I wrote that Eli listened half-heartedly. I'm not sure that's the best way to say it. Uh, he listened and he did a lot of real good. Uh, he was a great servant for 40 years, but he was a horrible dad. And he messed that up horribly. So let's read about Eli now. And we'll. And this goes between the story of Samuel and all that. Go down to verse 22 of chapter 2. And it says, Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my son, it's not a good report that I hear spreading among the Lord's people. If a man sins against another man, God may mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. It was the Lord's will to put them to death. In other words, God had already made up his mind what he was going to do with Hophni and Phinehas. But Eli knew about this. He knew what was going on. He knew it was wrong. And at this point, I don't know how old Hophni and Phinehas were. Uh, Eli was 98, so they were not young men. Probably too late to correct them, much too late to be rebuking them. Uh, at the very least, we can deduce that Eli didn't discipline his boys as they were being raised. Um, now let's jump up to verse 27 where we get back to the story of Eli. And uh, yeah, chapter 2, verse 27, let's read down through end of the chapter there again. Well, maybe we can summarize that. Uh, a man of God came to Eli. And we don't know who this prophet was. It doesn't tell us who he was. But he came to him and says, this is what the Lord says. And he reminds him of how the tribe of Levi had been picked in Egypt and all that. And how Eli's house, verse 30, I promised that your house and your father's house would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disclaimed, disdained. 
The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your father's house, so there will not be an old man in your family line, and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel in your family line, there will never be an old man. Every one of you that I do not cut off from my altar will be spared only to blind your eyes with tears and to grieve your heart, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his house, and he will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a crust of bread and plead, appoint me to some priestly office so I can have food to eat. So this prophet comes and drops the hammer on Eli and says, you're done. Your whole family is done. You're not going to serve me anymore. None of you are going to live long enough to serve me. Nobody's going to live to an old age. You're going to die in the prime of life. The only ones that I spare for a little while are just so they can grieve over the rest of you that have died. And I'm going to get rid of Hophni and Phinehas on the same day. And then you'll know that the prophecy is coming true. The conclusion of that prophecy, let's go ahead and finish the whole story of Eli. Go over to chapter 4 and verse 12. Now we're skipping over the story of the battle where the Philistines defeat the Israelites and take the Ark of the Covenant, which is a fairly big thing to skip over. But the Ark of the Covenant gets taken. And we'll, we've already talked about that some when we did David, but the Ark was captured. And down there in verse 11, the Ark was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Okay. Then that same day, verse 12, a Benjamite ran from the battle and went to Shiloh, his clothes torn and dust on his head. And when he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair by the side of the road watching, because his heart feared for the ark of God. When the man entered the town and told what had happened, the whole town sent up a cry. And Eli heard the outcry and asked, what's the meaning of this uproar? And the man hurried over to Eli, who was 98 years old and whose eyes were set so that he could not see. He told Eli, I've just come from the battle. I fled from it this very day. Eli said, what happened, my son? The man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines, and the army has suffered heavy losses, and your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy. He had led Israel 40 years. And then the story goes on that his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, gave birth that day. She was pregnant, named him Ichabod because the priesthood was gone and the ark was gone and everything. The glory has departed from Israel. Okay, so here's this priest, Eli, who's been a faithful servant of God for 40 years. But he listened at best half-heartedly. Uh, he didn't transfer that on to his boys, and so he raised these two children that dishonored his family and Israel, and, and the whole thing fell apart. Now, what's Eli's problem? We're not told. I, I don't know. I wish I knew the answer to that. 
I wish there was an explanation of here's where Eli blew it as a father, but I don't know what it is. I can guess, but I've got a number of guesses because I've seen people fail in that duty for a number of reasons. There's some clues in here, I think. Uh, I think maybe Eli, and here we're, we're guessing now, is my supposition, so don't write this down as gospel. He may have in his mind separated his service to God as the sacred part of his life and raising his family as another part, a secular part maybe. Uh, maybe he expected his wife to do that. We're not told anything about her, but maybe. We see some clues to that in here where when he was sitting by the road, what was he wanting to hear about? The ark. He was worried about the ark of God. So he, he was a, a serious servant of God. He took his priest business seriously. And the kid told him that Israel fled before the Philistines. The army suffered heavy losses. Hophni and Phinehas are dead, and the ark's been captured. When did Eli fall over? When he mentioned the ark. Okay, Hophni and Phinehas, he already knew they were gone. I mean, he knew what was going to happen to them. We'll find that out in a prophecy here in just a minute when we get to Samuel. But he knew that was going to happen. But the ark... That was serious business. So there's a clue there that maybe he elevated this sacred service above his family. Now, that may sound kind of far-fetched unless you've been around a few years and seen how people do that sometimes. Uh, That's easy to do for not just preachers and elders and People with leadership positions or heavy ministries or or whatever, there's people that do that. Serve God and neglect their children. Okay, I've had people come tell me that when I when I talk about serving God and getting involved in ministry and volunteering and all that, I almost always put in a little disclaimer there that if you're raising your family, you're doing the Lord's work. That's number one priority. And I've had people come to me after that to say, I was so involved and thought I had to serve so much and do so much that I didn't pay that much attention to my children. I'd go back and change it if I could. Once again, I'm just supposing here. I don't know what Eli's problem was. And he could have done a perfect job up till the age when Hophni and Phinehas got to choose. Those kids go bad when you do perfect jobs sometimes. So I don't know. But for some reason, we've got this priest that was so good at what he did serving God in the temple and all of the tabernacle and all that. But he didn't do good at home. And when he rebuked them, they didn't listen to him. Things weren't right there. If he, and I said he listened to God half-heartedly. If he would have read Deuteronomy 6, he would have known what he was supposed to be doing with his boys. But he was probably busier over there in Leviticus 
learning exactly how to move the oil and do this and do that and, and make the sacrifices and all that. He at least elevated that above raising the family somehow. So, once again, we don't know, but he didn't do well with half his life. All right. Third example, third character in our story is Samuel. And, of course, he's the good guy. He listened completely. So let's go back and read that famous story and go back to chapter 2 here. Yeah, verse 18 of chapter 2. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one who she prayed for and he gave to the Lord. Then they would go home, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, this boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. So we're happy for Hannah. She can finally get back at old Penina and not have to listen to her so much. She's got five kids of her own now, and plus Samuel's working in the tabernacle. So he's he's semi-famous. But here's the story. He's in there working for working with Eli. We don't know exactly how old he is. Uh, one commentator says he's 12 about this time. Uh, some people think he was a little bit older than that, that he was a teenager. Uh, the word for the boy that is used there, it's the same word uh, uses for David when he fought Goliath. So maybe in his teen years, we're not sure. But here's the story over in chapter 3, verse 1. The boy, Samuel, or the teenager Samuel, ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Okay, we're in the time of history here where God's not speaking to the people very often. There's no prophets right now. Eli was the priest but uh, and kind of a judge, but not even any judges right now. Uh, one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place, and the lamp of God had yet not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Now, evidently, Samuel's job was to keep the lights, lamps lit and all that, so he slept in there close to them. Anyhow, the Lord called Samuel. There was a visible, or it would be an audible voice, wouldn't it? wouldn't be a visible voice. An audible voice, he called Samuel. And it could have been visual. But anyhow, it was audible. And Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. So he heard something calling Samuel. He thought it was Eli. So he ran into Eli. and But Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And again the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. This is a great story in Sunday school. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Catch that? He didn't know the Lord yet. He, he hadn't got that relationship with God. He hadn't listened to him yet. This is the first time God is dealing with him. He didn't yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, 
And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli got it. Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, all right, go lay down. And when he calls you, say this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there. There's the visual part. I knew it was in there. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Okay, so here's Samuel listening when God's speaking. I think there's a little message in there about Eli's getting a little slow uh, or listening half-heartedly maybe. He didn't figure it out for three times. I think he should have got it before that, but he didn't. So the story goes on, verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I've spoken against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked. Don't hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. All right, so here's Samuel. He heard, didn't know who it was for a few times, finally figured it out. Eli coached him what to say, supposed to say, I'm your servant. I'm listening. Tell me what you want me to know. Vast difference between Hophni and Phinehas and Eli for that matter. Tell me what you want me to know. Because of that, God warned him that he was going to carry out the prophecy. Eli or Samuel told Eli about it. Eli, to his credit, trusted in the sovereignty of God. He said, He's the Lord. What he's told me he's going to do, so he can do it. Uh, Verse 10 there, let's just look at that for a moment. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Your translation might say, speak, for your servant hears. Uh, The word that's there is kind of a special word, and it's the difference between just hearing and wanting to hear so you can do it. Uh, Technically, it means... To hear so as to obey. So he's not just saying, all right, tell me what you want to tell me. He said, I'm I'm tuned in. I want to do what you want me to do. So you speak. I'm listening. That's where we got to get as faith walkers. That's, That's the step we're after in this story. And we've got three examples. We've got two guys that didn't listen at all. 
They heard it, but they didn't care. They were going to do it their way, no matter what God said. Eli listened to part of it and somehow separated his life where he did what he thought was the most important, but he neglected God's other teachings. And Samuel, he was tuned in. Now you can say, well, he was just a young kid and all that. But he served faithfully for years and years and years under that principle. You tell me what you want, I'm ready to do it. I am listening, so tell me what you want. All right, hopefully those three examples illustrate the difference between listening and hearing when God speaks. Now, uh, I put some things down there at the end. Why should we listen? You know, well, the easiest answer is, well, it's God. You know, <laughs> he, he speaks, you better listen to him. But obviously Hophni and Phineas and Eli had a little problem with that, and some of us do too. Here's a few good reasons. John 10.10, 10, I would hope you know that. We spent a whole year on John 10.10. 10. Not sure how you could spend a whole year on one verse, but we did. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. They might have it to the full. He doesn't just want us, he doesn't just talk to hear himself talk. He's telling us things. He's written this book for us so that we could have eternal life and so we could have a full life here. When he speaks, what he tells us is for our own good. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. I wouldn't expect you to know that one, so we'll read that one. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. My son, pay attention to what I say. Now, this is the wise man telling his son, but he's telling him why you ought to listen to the Lord. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them. And health to a man's whole body. Okay. The wise man is telling his son, you listen to what God says. Don't ignore it. Don't put it away from you. You, you listen closely because it's life. It's health. It makes life better. Okay. And Jeremiah 29, 11, I would expect you to know that one. We're... God said to the people, I, I, I know the plans that I have for you, to prosper you and not harm you. Okay? So listen to me. I want to do good things for you. Okay? Now, those three I put down there are all positive. We, we could make a negative list, couldn't we? There's a whole lot of negative reasons that we ought to listen to God. Uh, Hophni and Phineas could point out a couple Eli could point out some, but I chose to stick with the positive, and if you want to make a negative list, I'm sure you can. All right, as faith walkers, what's our message here? What's, what, what do we gain out of this story? What, what's our goal as a faith walker? Well, you go through and read some of the phrases that we read in here, is knowing God, having regard for God, is the opposite of Hophni and Phineas not knowing God and not regarding God and Eli not doing what he should do. Listening to God is the goal of a faith, walk, faith walker. Uh, speak, Lord. I want to hear. I'm listening. I want to obey. The, the, the good examples of faith walking in tonight's story, that's what they did. 
Remember what Paul said? I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to get closer and closer to his will. In fact, there was one verse in there. I probably couldn't go back and find it now. But where God was talking about uh, issuing the the prophecy on uh, Eli and his house, he said they they didn't know what he wanted. Let's see if we can find that. I'm not telling it very well. I think it's in chapter 2 there. I I knew I couldn't find it if I started looking for it. Oh, well, can't find it. Okay, anyhow, there's something in there about the the people who ignored God. they, they, They weren't interested in his will. And I think that's the key point is we want to know what God wants us to do. And we're ready to obey. We're listening. And that's different than just hearing what he has to say. All right. The lesson is yours. If you're here this evening and need to respond in some way, we're going to sing a song of invitation. All right. Stand and sing. Matt, come and lead us, please.